0: from the Derek Duval Productions bunker, it's Derek Duval.
1: Hello everyone. Hello, Duval Nation. Hi. Hey hey, hey. hey, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Sit. Hello, Duval Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duval Show. <laughs> we are back with more exciting content. And with our track record, you know we always deliver the goods. Before we get into the episode, I want to give a huge shout out to our last guest, actress Blanchard Ryan. Her episode listen count began as a brush fire, and my eyes were like watching a slot machine's wheels as the listen count went up and up and up. She is an incredibly, absolutely phenomenal person, and I am so glad I got to make a great connection with her. She also wanted me to convey to you all thanks for listening. So welcome to episode 76. We've got a very exciting episode for you today. We have on the show the 90s alternative rock band Echo Belly is here. That's right, folks. We have Sonia Maiden and Glenn Johansson, and they will be talking about the formation of the band, immediate success, their penultimate hit album on the state of streaming, and so much more. This is a fantastic episode, and I cannot wait for you all to hear it. So let's just go ahead and get them on out here. Duval Nation, please rise to your feet and welcome all the way from England. Glenn Johansson and Sonia Maiden of the rock band, Echo Belly. Hello and welcome to The Derek Duvall Show. How has the weather been out by the both of you today?
2: Well, typical English weather. It was snowing a couple of days ago and now it's sunny.
1: I like to start my interviews with the same question, that is, how has it been for the two of you to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic so far?
2: Uh, our way of coping was just to uh, look forward and, you know, just get on with it. Really, because it, it's amazing. Everyone's having a very personal experience with the whole thing, and um, there's a lot of depression and, and anxiety yeah. around. So it's really important to just stay positive.
1: So every journey has a beginning. Where were you both born? What was it like to grow up there?
3: Well, I'm I'm uh, from Sweden originally, and I I moved to London. Early 90s. Um, I grew up in a small, kind of small town in Sweden called Kungspaka. And uh, it was a very, very safe uh, place to grow up. No one locked their doors and there was hardly any crime or anything like that. So it was very uh, idyllic, shall we say. Lots of nature and uh, very healthy upbringing. But I'm sure things are different now. Huh.
1: Reminds me of growing up in South Wales. We could go to sleep with the doors unlocked. Now you have to worry about getting stabbed as you walk to the pub. So yeah, <laughs> if you're lucky, <laughs> if you're lucky.
2: Uh, me, I was uh, born in India, um, mm-hmm. and I came over to London uh, when I was a baby.
1: So, at what age did you both want to get into music professionally?
3: Well, uh, personally, uh, I've been into music since I was a young boy. I think you know, kind of started playing guitar. Around when I was about 12, 13 years old and I was into kind of heavy guitar rock at the time. Yeah, so I started quite early for me, around 12, something like that.
2: For me, I had no desire to go into music <laughs> and I'm not sure why I'm here now. Um, I, I kind of fell into it. I, I'm more a lover of words and the power of words and um, mm-hmm. got the opportunity to be a lyricist. So I think that's that was my entrance.
1: Okay, right on. Okay, so how did Echo Belly, the band, come together originally?
2: Uh, it was a long time ago. You know, it's like um, looking back at days of yore. We uh, were basically, uh, I was in a club in London, and there was this band playing, a bunch of Swedish guys, um, and I clocked Glenn. Clocked means I, I saw Glenn, and um, we we just hit it off and I wrote my number on a cigarette packet and threw it at him. And three weeks later he'd moved into my flat in Soho and we, you know, been friends ever since.
1: Who were your musical idols and who would you say influenced the sound of Echo Belly?
3: Well, personally I, I was as I said, I was really into kind of heavy rock when I grew up. And then I had a bit of a soul face uh for a few years. Uh, Then I discovered kind of uh, British guitar bands such as the Smiths, for instance, which I I really liked, I remember. That's probably one of the reasons why I wanted to to move over to England as well. Um, Mm. So I was was really influenced by the kind of late uh, 80s guitar bands. You had uh, Echo and the Barnum and the Smiths and various others. Uh, So I think that had, Especially in the beginning, it had a quite an influence on the Echo Belly sound, i say. But I think we kind of moved on from there now. So,
1: Ah, the Smiths. The Smiths have a massive following here in the States, and I didn't truly appreciate that until a few months ago. Um, pretty much every Tom, Dick, and Harry has a Smiths album, and probably named a kid after I remember the Smiths. Who knows? <laughs> but, uh, okay, so settle the debate once and for all. What exactly does the name Echo Belly mean?
2: It means to be hungry for something.
1: What was the British rock scene like when you released your first album, Everyone's Got One?
2: It was really exciting. There was I mean, we were we were young and we didn't know any different, but there was such a scene, especially in London, but maybe in, in a lot of other places as well, but being Londoners, we only knew London. And we just, it was so easy, you know, people, it was a really creative time and there were bands playing everywhere you could go see a band every night every pub had a had like an open mic kind of uh, guitar band version it was just very very buzzy and very easy to be in a band
3: and i also think that the uh, the the whole general atmosphere in britain was very positive at the moment at that time i remember not just music but art film everything it was a real kind of surge i think in kind of british culture and we were kind of wrapped up in all that. So that's when I said it was, it kind of felt easy to just get on with things.
2: It was quite similar. I think you, you know, in America, you had grunge and it had the same energy as in mm-hmm. kind of an Americanization and awareness of it not coming from another country, but very intrinsic to the energy of the times, Um questioning, whatever, you know, we had, our British invasion equivalent here on a much smaller level, but um, important nevertheless.
1: The reviews were absolutely stellar. What was the immediate success like for the group creatively?
2: It was quite funny because most bands, they, you know, you you start a band, you write together, you play together and you spend a few years touring and hopefully you get a record deal. For us, it happened literally in a matter of months. And we, we, (laughs) we kind of learned that the wrong way around so that we got a deal very quickly, got the band together very quickly. Everything happened just so easily. We kind of felt guilty in a way that we didn't get to do the, the normal route that you know, you, you get your uh, your rights by... The struggle? Yeah. Yeah, we're I doing that to... now. We're doing that now. God is uh, having his laugh with us
1: now. I, I saw a trailer a few days ago for a documentary that Dave Grohl put together about the early days of touring bands, you know, where they were crammed into a small van. Have you seen that yet?
3: No, I haven't seen that, no.
1: The reason I bring that up is because... I've had other bands on the show, and they all talk about the early struggles and what it was like as a bonding activity and how close they all became being in that environment. Or hate each other's guts. That comes a bit later. (laughs) (laughs) So your follow-up album, On, which when I told my listeners you were going to be coming on the show, they almost all universally declared this is one of their favorite albums from the 90s. What do you remember from recording that album?
3: Well, the album was recorded in London in a place called Conk Studios, uh, which is owned by Ray Davis uh, of the Kings of the Kings um, and we had two American producers, Sean Slade and Paul Colry. they worked out of for Apache in Boston area so they came over here to London and we spent uh, spent like a week doing pre-production rehearsals and stuff and then we into to record the album uh, over uh, I guess Three, four weeks, or something like that, and then then I went over to America with the uh, two producers, and we mixed it there at uh, Fort Apache in uh, I think it's Cambridge. Yeah, I think it's Cambridge. Um, and uh, they were great guys to work with. They had that kind of American sound really good with Google guitars and so on. So it, it was a great collaboration. I think um, really enjoyed the whole experience of it.
2: The title yeah. was um, actually a mistake. Uh, we, we were somewhere in Italy, Italy yeah. uh, on tour and there, above a, a venue there was this room and it had been the local communist center's, you know, meeting room, headquarters yeah. in the 50s or something. And um, they had posters, really lovely old vintage communist posters with manifesto-type slogans on. And there was one that was like, you know, if you got red paint and painted no on a wall and it dripped down onto the brickwork. Uh, We wanted to use the poster, but we weren't allowed to. So we basically we just flipped the word no onto its (laughs) side and and turned it into on, which a lot more positive. But uh, originally we wanted to use that poster that we saw there.
1: So when I mentioned earlier that my fans knew you were coming on the show, I asked them to submit questions to me and the one song that they all seem to overwhelmingly enjoy is the song Car Fiction, which one or two fans even went so far as to say it's one of the best opening tracks for an album in the last 30 years. I would be doing them an injustice if I did not ask about that song. What do you remember from creating and recording it?
2: It, You know, sometimes you write something that's very poignant and deep and meaningful to yourself or, or to what's going on in the world. Sometimes you write something that just expresses the unanimous enthusiasm of being a certain age and and being really like looking forward to your life just is you know all all speed ahead car fiction is definitely one of the latter's in terms of lyrics it's not a a heavy lyric it's about two people driving fast just wanting to you know race through life and, and just buzzing from being young so it kind of encapsulates that energy
1: Okay, we are going to hear that track now. Here is Echo Belly performing the opening track off the album On. This is Car Fiction.
2: In a taxi chasing for the sun
1: Okay, DeVal Nation, we're gonna go ahead and take a small break, but we'll be right back with the conclusion of this amazing interview. May I suggest you take this time to refresh that drink, take some super nice long deep breaths, you know, Cluzo style.
3: Out with the bad air, in with the good, out with the bad air, in with the good.
1: Pay attention to two friends of the show, and we will be right back. Looking for a new podcast? Check out the
0: Infectious Groove podcast. My name is Russ, and I host the show along with Michelle and Kyle. Every Monday, the three of us bring you music news and tell you our jammy jam so you'll always have new music to check out. The Infectious Groove podcast discusses music from nearly every decade and genre while openly displaying our passion for music you need to hear. On top of that, we have a thought-provoking main topic of discussion every week to get you thinking, discussing, and sharing music. We also include interviews with the music stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and listen to the Infectious Groove podcast on your favorite podcast platform today.
2: In today's story, the beautiful voice of Salise kept the evil Yod from making all sorts of bad things happen. Now, I can't promise that a song will make any magic for you, but I can promise that when you're feeling lonely or sad, and we all do sometimes... If you try singing a song or maybe whistling or maybe just smiling, you'll feel a lot better. Honestly, try it and see. And I'll be seeing you very soon. Bye now.
1: Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things?
0: Do you want Kleenex for your
1: classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your
0: own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise!
1: Budget Cuts. Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on, warriors. We've got this.
2: Hello, this is Erica, host and guide of the YouTube vlog, Mon Jardin au I invite you to join me as we explore the many joys of gardening, such as sowing seeds, raising plants, and the reward of harvesting. If gardening is something you're interested in, or you just want to follow my adventures and receive tips to help any novice break into starting their own garden, you can find Monchard on Aucoin on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I look forward to having you hang out with me in my little garden on the corner.
1: Janae Sergio. Hello everyone, this is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in operation enduring freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes &
2: Noble, or wherever books are sold.
1: Welcome back to episode 76 of The Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back into the show, Duvall Nation, with the conclusion of our interview with Sonia Maiden and Glenn Johansson of the alternative rock band Echo Belly. So while we are talking about lyrics, Sonia, how much effect did your writing have on the musical direction of the band?
2: Well, I could tell you a joke. I mean, the drummer always would say song number two, no, song number three. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know how much you ever influence anybody other than yourself and hopefully some people who, who appreciate what you do.
1: So how does it feel to have your song Insomniac? associated with one of the funniest scenes in motion picture history with the film Dumb and Dumber.
3: Awesome. <laughs> we went to the premiere here, I think, in London of the film, and we were sat in our chairs until they're waiting for the credits. You know, it took forever, but <laughs> finally it was there, <laughs> written by, you know. It was, it was great. And when you saw the film as well, uh, personally, I think it's a bit almost misplaced in the film. I don't, I don't know. It, it seemed a weird uh, scene for it, but... When it came on first time, it was exhilarating. It really was. It's about a similar feeling to when you hear a song on the radio for the first time. Yeah.
1: You know, looking at the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack as a whole, it's almost like a little time capsule of some of the most original music of the 1990s. So, moving on, you attracted all the right attention with Madonna, REM, and so forth. What was it like to tour with REM on the Monster Tour?
3: Um, I don't know how it came, we just heard about these things that, uh, I mean, the whole Madonna thing was, I think it was the manager told us that that she, she had just started this label, Maverick, and uh, I think she had Alanis Morissette on there. She had, she made some interest in, in in us, but we were all assigned, so so there was nothing we could have done about it anyway. But the OREM thing, I don't know how that came about either. I think we, we did, we did, um, a show in, what was it?
2: No, it came about because they what, what? they basically did um, an album called Monster. And um, one of them told us later that um, they'd listened to our very first EP, which was our first release. And it was, um, they, they really got into it and it kind of influenced Monster. So we were highly chuffed, as you could say. And then they asked us if we'd like to come and do some shows with them. So we we played uh, a big stadium show here in England and we played one in Prague in um, the early 90s, I suppose.
3: Mm, Czech
1: Republic, yeah. Based on that tour and your other independent success, what would you say is the most famous venue you have ever played?
3: Uh, I'd say Fillmore West, probably.
1: So after a long layoff, how important was the side project between the two of you
3: I think well we did we did uh, we did a, a side project uh, called calm of zero uh, just myself and Sonia and it was all acoustic tracks we did uh, two kind of mini albums uh, 12 songs in total uh, and we did a, a little tour around that as well um, the band have kind of broken up by that by that point uh, so we were keen to try something new and and uh, we did that for for a few years and uh, then got a little bit frustrated with playing acoustic uh, guitar all the time because I want to make some noise again, so
1: which is anarchy and alchemy. What was the response to that?
2: Um, it was uh, really well received, but of it's difficult when you don't have a record deal anymore and you're kind of doing things you know, it's, it's like going back to like mm-hmm. back to the garage and and starting again so. Didn't really get the exposure, say, on or anything like that would have got. But Mm -hmm. we're we're very happy with it.
1: Echo Belly is in a sort of hiatus at the moment. What have the members all been up to? And I know you two do, but do you keep in contact with any other members of the band? Mm -hmm.
2: Well, the original members have kind of all gone their own ways. People get a life after a band, I suppose, you know, grow up and kids come along and wives and and i think uh glenn and i are kind of forever children in that respect that we don't do that sort of thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> the band is still basically glenn and i we we started it and we're kind of ending it i suppose
1: i've asked this question to other musicians who have come on my show what are your opinions on streaming services
3: uh yeah i think it probably has uh, I, I mean it, it's a it's a weird subject this i, I think I think it's great in a way, the whole streaming thing, it's so convenient uh, and I I do stream all the time, especially when I'm cooking, listen to playlists and stuff, But, uh, but I find that when you play a CD or a record, you know, you have a bit of a more of an emotional kind of connection with it and you tend to listen in a different way, I found. I think you get you move on to the next track really quickly when you stream. So so I don't think you get the same attention, emotional attention uh, during streaming as you would get if you played a CD or an album. And also their their, their royalty fees for the pay the artists is abysmal. It's really bad.
1: Do you feel it has helped younger listeners discover your music?
2: Not really. I think it's a bit of a catch-22 because... if you do get anything from streaming, it tends to be the people who knew you in the beginning. Perhaps, you know, they they pass it on to their friends or even their children now. But I don't think young people are particularly interested in discovering, you know, something that happened twenty, thirty years ago. But right. they're, they're on they're on their own trajectory. They're not really going to be that in majority anyway.
1: One of my biggest pet peeves right now is happening here in the United States and I'm unsure if it's happening in the UK. But it's this fashion trend called vintage. And all these youngsters are running around wearing Pink Floyd, Beatles, or Rolling Stone shirts. And in the beginning, I would stop one and be like, hey, that's awesome. I didn't know you got down with the Stones. You know, like, tell me, what are your favorite tracks? And they'd look at me with this glassy-eyed expression of confusion and say, who are the Stones? It just... Kills me. Uh, <laughs> oh, you like Pink Floyd? Never heard of him Well, then why are you wearing this shirt? Oh, it's fashion. I'm like, oh dear Yeah, God, yeah, yeah. Sure.
3: yeah. it happens here as well. It happens here.
1: You oh, it should
2: does. they take their shirt and burn it immediately.
3: Or ask which favorite song
1: is.
2: They're know? not worthy.
1: You know, it's funny. I grew up an Alice Cooper fan. And I wear his shirts around town. People look at the shirt and think he's a drag queen. So. Well, I
2: suppose he was a kind of drag queen. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, what boy's saying about old music as well is that it's, I just read a kind of interesting article the other day that uh, like 70% or something of the music that's being consumed or sold in America is kind of old, by catalog.
1: Who are some bands that you are into and supporting right now?
3: We've gone
2: into a bit of a a time tunnel in terms of, it's not new music so much that we're listening to but we're actually ourselves going back into and looking into what we would consider vintage music and and some really um unusual things i mean you know that's the good thing about streaming and spotify you can access things that you would probably never have access to because you you wouldn't buy that record necessarily so you know i don't even know some of the names of the of of the artists but it, mm-hmm. It's more a cultural thing. Access, access to world music and, and jazz and, and all sorts of vaudeville and, and things that you do. Ju- Americana, Americana yeah. It, yeah, yeah. So.
1: so what is the future looking like for Echo Belly?
2: It's an unknown.
3: Yeah, but we, we started to to write another album. Uh, got quite a few songs together, so so we're kind of working on that at the moment. We're doing a few festivals here in the UK mm-hmm. over the summer. Um, so we're we looking at Start, uh, start to record an album, perhaps, uh, in the autumn?
2: Well, the reason why I say it's an unknown is that in the past, it was very much a standard set of rules. You, you got together, you wrote songs, you hopefully got a record deal, got a publishing deal, got an agent, got a manager, boom, off you go. And, you know, whether you made it or not was down to the stars aligning. But now... It's a very interesting time. You carry on. I mean, I think this is true for all artists. You carry on because you just have a burning desire to carry on. But the, the those solid footings are not necessarily there unless you are a, a very much a mainstream artist and and still carry on in, you know with a record deal and that. I think for people like us, you make music because you can't imagine life without making music.
1: Mm-hmm. As we begin to wind down this interview, what would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures
3: online? Good question.
1: <laughs> when we
2: go to Google yeah. search, we yeah, yeah, yeah. type in yeah, yeah. Eco Bellissimo. Um, and um, hopefully something will come and
3: up. The, the usual channels, I guess, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that's that's all we do, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not massively active on it at the moment because we haven't really got anything to talk about as such. So, uh, But I, I guess our socials.
2: And hopefully, your show.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's the dream.
1: Okay, so I end my interviews with my favorite question. And the question is this If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would want to say to the people of Earth?
2: Always look on the bright (laughs) stuff. I can't whistle, so I won't do the next.
1: Ah, that's great. Sonia Glenn thanks ever so much for doing this this is truly a thrill and this one belongs in my of all the musicians I've had on the show the the hall of fame so my best of luck to you both going forward okay thank you very much
2: thank you and thank you people for listening
1: and just like that Duval Nation we come to the end of episode 76 I want to thank Sonia and Glenn again for being so gracious with their time. I encourage everyone to seek out Echo Belly and listen to their body of work. There are some absolutely legendary tracks in there, folks. We still have so much more good stuff coming your way. As some of the more perceptive of you have probably realized by now, we have gone to a a two-episode-a-week release schedule to keep up with the demand of the recorded-to-release ratio. So stay tuned as we are still kicking out incredible content. Have you had a chance to check out our store on TeePublic? We have everything from magnets, stickers, and mugs. Be sure to go to our website, DerekDevallShow.com. Look on the banner on the left that says merch. Click that, and you'll be taken to our store on TeePublic. And again, we want to thank TeePublic for being such great partners. On behalf of the entire team here at the Derek DeVall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, Put on your favorite artist as soon as this episode is over and crank the volume. Close your eyes, just move your body to the rhythm and lose yourself in the moment. That, people, is the power of music. North Star, God bless, and see you next time. Planet Earth?
2: Damn it! who put a question mark on the teleprompter? For the last time, anything you put on that teleprompter, Derek will read.
3: Amateurs. <laughs>
0: This has been a recording of The Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvalShow.com, to explore past episodes and find links to purchase merchandise. Please subscribe to our social media channels on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Derek Duval Show.